Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. All eyes are on the Federal Reserve. It's been the primary driver of financial markets, both up and down, for nearly two years now. So I'm bringing on Fed expert David Jones, and we're talking monetary policy and how that can impact almost everything, including your investments. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is GAINS. All right, let's bring on David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors out of Denver and author of the book, Understanding Central Banking. David, always great to have you on the GAINS podcast. Nice to be with you. All eyes on Wall Street are on the Fed and trying to get a feel for, are they going to see this through? And I feel they are, and you've mentioned in the past in our countless conversations that you feel they're going to see this through. But Wall Street at times, especially since the beginning of the year, seems like they haven't always believed the Fed And the market has moved maybe unwarrantedly higher on that premise. So let's look back at where we've been, where we're going, and why it really was important that the Fed did finally get aggressive here. Good questions. Uh, Let's start with the beginning of the year. There was a fundamental disagreement between Fed officials who thought that inflation would be coming down, but only slowly this year, and the bond market, which said inflation was coming down fast, and furthermore, uh, there would be very few additional Fed rate hikes and maybe even rate cuts by the end of the year. Uh, I questioned that in my own mind. I thought the market was getting ahead of itself. Uh, But at that moment, we had a spectacular rally in the bond market and in the stock market. I agree with you. And I was thinking the same thing. It appeared at that time that the market was getting ahead of itself. I think this all stems from the Fed initially misreading inflation and calling it transitory. And even though they've admitted that they were wrong and they've changed course, there's still a lot of investors out there who just think, hey, the Fed's got our back. We really don't believe they're going to follow this through. Well, you hit the nail on the head. I think the market was betting uh, that the Fed was at least as worried about the economy as it was about inflation. That was a huge mistake. The Fed has a one-track mind, and that one-track mind is that we have one target, as the Fed officials argue, and that target is bringing inflation 
back down to the Fed's 2% target. No change in that target, although some of the market were even betting on that. Fed was going to bring inflation down to a 2% target, and they were going to raise interest rates as high and as far as they had to and keep them there until they were confident, that is, the Fed policymakers, that inflation was coming down. The market was betting against the Fed, but the market turned out to be wrong. High inflation is so detrimental to an economy and everything surrounding it that it is more important to address that than even if you would tip uh, the economy into a bit of a recession. Explain why tackling inflation just needed to happen. All we need to do is hear the Fed chairman in his press conferences. He repeated more than once that stable prices are a requirement for the economy to function. I couldn't believe it. I when he made that, that that's a strong statement, uh, and that suggested that he had no concern about exactly where the economy was going. He would have preferred to avoid a recession, but I'm absolutely convinced that the Fed chairman was willing to take a recession if that's what it took to bring inflation back down to 2%. The market just didn't believe that, but I, I think the Fed has proven at this point, at least, that they're going to stick with it until the job is done. Uh, you know, you can split Fed chairman. I like to rank Fed chairman going back in history. You can split them between those who did not get the job done, like an Arthur Burns, for example. Going back, he was, uh, in my grading system, no better than a C-. minus, And... Um, and Paul Volcker, who did keep at it till the job was done, who in my grading system is an A+. Plus. So um, the history of the Fed is that kind of history. Do you stay at it till the job is done, particularly with regard to inflation? The thing about inflation is that if you let it get going, uh, it will tend to migrate from, you know, let's say the housing sector, which always booms when interest rates are low, and then bust when the Fed has to tighten interest rates and push them higher. Uh, but then it migrates into the goods sector, like lumber prices and other goods. Uh, inflation has come down in the goods sector, but the trouble is, and the Fed has made this distinction very clear, um, the problem is in core services, uh, less housing, and in the service sector, Inflation has still been high and sticky. We'll take the Fed at their word at this point because they have done an about face. They've admitted they were wrong and then started tackling the problem. And they're going to follow this through. But what does following it through look like and how does that impact financial markets? Well, that's the big debate right now. What is that so-called uh, terminal interest rate? Uh, that the Fed will have to end up going to to uh, bring inflation down. We got a little bit of a hint of where that might be by Jay Powell's uh, interview at that uh, D.C., Washington, D.C. Economic Club. I was once on the board of directors of that excellent uh, economic club in Washington. They get all the big policymakers to come uh as part of the program there. 
And uh, Jay Powell, I think it was on, Feb- you can check me on that, February 7th, I think he made a presentation there. And uh, it was really important to listen to him uh, quite closely there. And um, he emphasized so strongly that uh, one of the things that he was so shocked by was that January increase in payroll employment of what was it, Andy? Five hundred seventeen thousand. A shocker as to how strong payroll employment was in January, and and in in, in in the opposite direction, the Fed wanted it uh, as well. Exactly, and um, the Fed chairman implied that um, that the only way to to find, even though inflation has come down in housing and in goods, or, or has and will come down further in housing and in goods, um, it still was sticky and high in the in that core services inflation, less housing, and that he intended to stick at it until the job was done. And one of the points he made, I think people missed this, is not only does that mean he has to push rates higher and keep them there longer, but we have to also see some increase in that incredibly low unemployment rate. He kept emphasizing the labor market was extremely hot in January. Actually, that contributed to fairly strong consumer spending, as we've seen, and that to bring that hot labor market down to a less inflationary pace, particularly when you're talking about wages, he had to really uh, work so hard and raise rates so much that we would see a higher unemployment rate. Remember, what did we get in January? A 3.4% unemployment rate, uh, the lowest in decades. I think he feels that you're going to have to push that unemployment rate back up to, I don't know, four and a half or maybe higher uh, to uh, cool the labor market off and get a better balance between labor market demand and supply. The job situation has completely changed. I'm wondering, are there people holding multiple jobs? Are there details in the jobs thing that can kind of explain this? Or have we seen just some kind of fundamental difference and we almost got to change the way we're looking at uh, the employment picture? Well, all I can say is I think we've seen a profound change in the labor in the labor market since the pandemic um i don't want to blame everything on millennials that'll give you a hint as to how old i am but um that there just seems to be a different attitude first of all job flexibility millennials want to work at home part-time or somewhere else part-time as opposed to coming into the office every day that's a different change the, and and many people just left the labor force uh, in the pandemic, and so the labor force participation rate has been low. So we've got big changes in the labor market, which, by the way, the Fed chairman has alluded to. So there's a lot of uncertainty about this. How do you cool off a hot labor market? How do you end up with people going back to their normal job in a normal way, uh, maybe we just won't see that for some time. And maybe we'll have to work with this, you know, shortage in labor uh, for some time. And that could keep wages 
higher longer. And that goes back to what the Fed's been worried about. If, if, if wages stay higher longer, it means that inflation is only going to come down at best slowly and uh, still remain very sticky. And David, back to the Fed conversation, you got to get the job done. You can't go halfway and then and peel back be, and explain that. We saw that occur, I think, in the late 70s, where they just didn't follow through all the way and then ended up having bigger problems at the end of the decade. Exactly. That's the difference, as I look back historically, between Arthur Burns, who I'd give a very low grade to, and the winner, we call him now Sir Paul Volcker, who uh, stayed at it till the job was done. The last time we had inflation as high as it has been was under Paul Volcker's reign, and he decided he would raise rates to levels that were necessary to bring it down. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with David. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gaines episode drops. We drop Gaines episodes on Wednesday mornings. We'll be right back with David Jones right after the break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, back with David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors and author of the book, Understanding Central Banking. All right, so we kind of talked about the setup and 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 what they're doing here and why. Let's follow through. How, how does this go into the second half of the year? And when do you suspect that things will really take hold and we'll see things turn around. Well, that's the big unknown. And uh, and when somebody might ask the Fed chairman in one of his press conferences, uh, when does that moment come? He's going to say, I'm simply going to watch the data. Let's say, for example, I don't think the Fed knows where that terminal rate is going to be. Um, some people are saying as high as 6% now as opposed to 5% uh, with regard to that target rate for the Fed, the federal funds rate target. Uh, it's just hard to know. And furthermore, it's hard to know where the economy exactly is. I spend my career on Wall Street worrying about that issue um, as an economist, but um it's kind of an unknown this year. My best guess is we're going to avoid a recession after everybody was looking for one. We'll have very slow growth probably in the second half of the year. But I think that the consumer has been hanging in there to a point that uh, we just might squeak by and just have slow growth instead of a recession. So you you actually think that we could skirt out of a recession. Is that partly because the job market is so strong? Exactly. That's exactly what I would pin my forecast on. And if that job market stays as strong as it has been, or even 
close to as strong as it has been, um, I think it's possible that consumer spending will remain strong and will avoid a recession. When you see that turnaround where inflation is finally cooling and then the Fed will eventually, you know, drop back and, and loosen monetary policy or at least yeah, it, they'll probably hold it there for a while before they would even at any point loosen it. What stocks, what areas of the market generally, you know, sectors are poised? What does well in that environment? Well, I think we'll go back to basics. Um, we should eventually see some recovery in the, in the successful technology stocks. Uh, they've been hammered so hard. And I think we go back to so the cyclical side of the stock market. Just think back to what might be more of a normal condition in the stock market. Um, if we can avoid a recession and get a little bit of a recovery going, you know, let's say in 2024, maybe there's a chance that um, uh, we can get back to somewhat more normal conditions and uh, – and have to stop guessing so much about high, how high interest rates have to go and how long they might have to stay there. Um, and uh, in that case, if, the, if, the, if inflation begins to come down and uh, in, a, in, a, in a consistent way that, that impresses the Fed, uh, when can the Fed ease off a little bit? My view is that uh, you have to look quite far ahead to see any chance of that, but uh, that would be the kind of conditions I would look for. How do banks do in this type of environment? We're seeing higher interest rates, and that leads to higher returns on loans. Are banks poised to uh, do well in this type of situation? Well, one important point to make about banks is that, remember back to the credit crisis of 2000. Seven to 2009, uh, banks were really in bad shape. They uh, they were over leveraged. They were in in dangerous shape almost across the board, and it was it really hurt that credit crisis and hurt the economy. Uh, the Fed has kept an eye on banks this time around. They seem to have adequate capital. Their liquidity is good, so I think banks are could come out of this quite well. Does it take a while for growth to take off? Is that one of the leaders out the door? Or is it still a little bit of value versus the growth as we're we're making that change in policy? Yeah, I think um, we have to stick with that value idea. But, um, you know, it's just going to take a while. The, the simple reality is technology is going to change our lives forever. And now we're in this artificial intelligence area. Uh, if I were still uh, hard at it and not in retirement, I would begin to worry that uh, why couldn't you just replace an economist with uh, artificial intelligence based on a huge mass of data, which took into account every single mistake every economist ever made. Now, but, but, but one thing I got to say, though, and don't get too concerned if uh... – you're an economist right now. There's a lot of garbage going into that AI. And uh, some of the conversations that have been had uh, are certainly interesting and not overly accurate. The one thing that's good is I think AI's got a little bit of ways to go uh, b before um, 
you know, it, it, it starts replacing people. But I, yeah, I, I get what you're, you're, you're saying. And, and you've always been a, we've talked in the past and you've always been a big believer in, in technology. AI is, is the next big one. It seems like. Yeah, well, but can I still, Andy, keep in mind that at least when I was in the midst of my career on Wall Street, the garbage in means garbage out. Does that still work even in this? Uh, oh, yes, absolutely. And, oh, and, and this, especially with AI, some of these chat bots, uh, we, we've we've talked a lot about even on the noon business hour, they can get weird. There was a, somebody interacting with a chat GPT, which is one of the real big ones, uh, the fir- the one that kind of caught everybody's eye. Um, and I've, I've and we've also heard of AI from some other firms as well, um, where people have interacted with them. And then the AI just starting to get weird, getting hostile. Uh, I, I saw I read somewhere a reporter was you know, kind of really pressing AI and then AI, the AI chat bot said they were rude. The AI, AI chat bot was talking about how much they love the, 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 the CEO of open AI, the creator of chat GPT. Uh, it also wrote a story about killing the reporters, one of the reporters colleagues. So, you know, it is well said to say garbage in, garbage out because you and I both know that everything on the internet is true, right? Exactly. Right. So yeah, that's, that's a great point. Garbage in garbage out. And, uh, I, that's the, the one thing about AI and they haven't gotten that there yet. They will eventually, I'm sure, but, uh, is deciphering what really is right. What is wrong? You know, what's the source? What's the context? So uh, it's certainly interesting, but a ways to go there. I think that's a very good point to make. And and you make me feel better, Andy, that uh, if I were still in that uh, hot seat on Wall Street trying to figure out where interest rates are headed, uh, I wouldn't have to give up my job to uh, to AI. Not not uh, yet. That, not not quite news. yet. At least not quite yet. But, you know, the the funny thing is, AI has been trading with each other for years and years and years. You know, that's AI. You know, they always talk about AI being, you know, brand new and there's chat bots and stuff. But you and I have been in the game for a long time and we've seen AI deployed to trading for decades. Without any question. Um, that's That was the story when I first started on Wall Street at the Bond House where I worked, I I, I used to have to make an interest rate forecast, and then I would have to walk out. I think we talked about this in one of our earlier discussions. Uh, I'd walk out to the trading desk and, and subject my forecast to the reality of some poor bond market trader who was you know, under all kinds of pressure. And I'll never forget, I walked out to um, stand beside a, a, a great – uh, bond market trader who had worked for my firm for a long time, um, uh, you know, that grizzled look on his face, he'd been at it for so long, and uh, he was always highly skeptical of some young economist that had just come over from, from the New York Fed and had his PhD in economics, and uh, he would say, David, let me show you how this thing really works, and, and that was even before screens would give you bond yields. Um, 
he had to keep him in his own mind. So I have to admit that it probably is going to take some time before AI ever replaces that grizzled, tough, old bond trader that uh, had to do it all himself. That tough bond trader you're talking about lived in a world of open outcry as well. It was very noisy. And you had to think on your feet. So uh, it's a different animal, but you definitely want to get AI right before it starts making those critical decisions. I think is the key. Yeah. Uh, We're not going to replace people, but people have to be able to use AI in a constructive way. And if they do, they probably will be doing better in the market than others might be. And that's the way to look at it. With ChatGPT, there's a lot of scary stuff with it. But the one thing is... I encourage people, hey, check this stuff out, interact with it, use it as a tool. I'll just give you one more example is, you know, recently on the Noon Business Hour, we had um, a real estate agent who was using ChatGPT to help write listings and just to get the ball rolling on on different writing prob- or projects. And it saved them a, a ton of time. A lot of times just starting out, you know, writing something, it's just getting that first sentence or thought on the paper He's using ChatGPT to help, you know, structure some things, gets, you know, the basics on the paper, and it's saving them time. So it is a a tool, and and I'm sure it's a tool that will be deployed in about every possible industry uh, that one can uh, think of as we move forward. But again— That's exactly right. There's, they, they still are ways to to get the nuances and, and to get this right. So, David, we've covered a lot of ground— talked in depth about the Fed policy, where things are going, but what's your takeaway from today's conversation and advice for the individual investor? Well, it, you just have to try to decide when this bear market is over, and that's the toughest decision you can possibly ever have to make uh, as a bond trader. And uh, I don't think it's over yet. Certainly, we've gone through a period of a big rally in the bond market and now a big back up in bond yields, uh, given how aggressive the Fed is likely to be in pushing rates higher and keeping them there longer. So I would my advice, although I do not pretend to be a market expert at this point, um, would be to just beware and don't get too carried away with uh, your positioning, either in stocks or bonds. Uh, because of so many uncertainties uh, like we've just talked about. And I imagine that uh, you, when you've seen people just start deploying money back into the market, getting bullish here on maybe even a bit of a false premise, uh, all along recent we've talked, you, you haven't seen that as an overly great move. Exactly. And I cautioned against it because I, I kept trying to put myself in the Fed chairman's place and, and, And one of the best places to emphasize is that, you know, we had a Fed chairman, I think you alluded to this earlier, that made a big mistake in assuming inflation was transitory. That was, you know, that for most people, that's a career ending mistake. And and uh, and Jay Powell took a lot of heat for uh, for believing that inflation was transitory. When he found out it was not, it was rising and sticky and threatening to become embedded in people's thinking, um, he decided he was going to 
going to do something about it. And his credibility was on the line. And that's what you have to remember all the way through this process um, is a Fed chairman who's trying to rebuild and then maintain credibility. And there's nothing more important than that in that job as Fed chairman. Talking about credibility, I think there's credit, though, due here in the fact that, you know, a big man to admit he's wrong, then be willing to change course, and then even under pressure, follow this through. So I was, we, and you and I, even going back like two years ago, we were getting pretty critical of of that Fed mistake. They've admitted they're wrong, they've changed course, and they're seeing this through now. I will give credit where credit's due. That's exactly the way to state it, and uh, I totally agree with that view. Big thanks to David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors out of Denver and author of the book, Understanding Central Banking. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. I've been told that's podcast gold. Would totally appreciate the solid. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We drop Gains episodes on Wednesday mornings. And I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.